We are so blessed this time of year, and some people may think that I'm crazy to say that when we're in the middle of a pandemic and just experience the storm that we went through. But when we stop and consider all of our situations, God has blessed us in so many ways. I have a dear friend that grew up in Argentina, and he told me the story of when he was a child. A storm came there and washed away half of their village. Their house was gone. Their fam- all their families' homes were gone. And I'll, I'll never forget when he told us this, Richard said, he said, and nobody came to help us. Nobody. And he said, we knew this was the new normal. And he told me about living in a, a hut that was fashioned out of cardboard and about walking back and forth to the meager jobs that he would have day to day and finding a piece of aluminum. He said it was like going to Home Depot and they had a sale. Finding firewood and things like that just to put things together. Richard Barnes survived all that. He grew up. His parents actually kept him in school and he came to the States, went to college, And he went back to his home country to be the director of Arthur Anderson accounting firm. He told me that the situation he grew up in made him who he had become. He said, because I realized that I was still loved. People had nothing to give me but love, and the love got me through that. I want to thank for a couple of weeks now, in fact, really four weeks up Thanksgiving about what we're thankful for and what we can be thankful for. And I want to talk today about a sovereign invitation that we are given. In Isaiah 25, the prophet makes a statement that for some people sounds a little bit awkward when he says, on this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best meats and the finest wines, On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken in that day. They will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him. And he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Isaiah spoke before the Messiah had come. We read it after he's arrived and blessed us. And we have the hope that they only imagined. And we have so much to understand. College professor, friend of mine, tells a story of when he was 13 years old in the community he grew up in, in in Kentucky. He went to work at a little grocery store there back when they didn't have age limits for people to work. And at age 13, he did all the odd jobs there. He swept things out. He wiped down the store. He delivered things to people there in the community that was a very tight-knit uh, coal mining community. And he was everything at 13. And he worked after school and on the weekends. One day his boss there, who was a kindly old fellow, said, 
Chuck, we're going to take inventory. Can you help me do that? And he said, yes, sir. He said, I've got a question. He said, what's that? And he said, what's an inventory? Never heard the word before. He asked him how to spell it. He wrote it on a piece of paper, and they talked about it while they were doing the inventory. The storekeeper told him, he said, what we're doing is we're, going, we're determining now at the end of the year what we have left. We've sold a lot of things. We've brought more things in and sold them, but we need to find out what we've got and how it matters to us. And that young man looked at him and he says, why do you do that? And he said, well, it's easy to forget how much you have each year. And he said, sometimes I do that. Every now and then, you have to take inventory to see just what you have. And so for the rest of his life, he said inventory meant thanksgiving. Because sometimes we don't stop and think about what God has given to us, what he's blessed us with, how he's watched over us and cared for us. God ministers to us in many unusual ways. In my immediate neighborhood, my little cul-de-sac of four homes there, I counted and 16 trees fell. There were 12 oak trees, very large ones, and four large pine trees, one gigantic piece of saw timber. Now, how it happened, I don't know, but my dear neighbor next door and her husband, who's preaching right now across the street, uh, they had a piece of saw timber that's four feet in diameter fall behind their house this way, and in front of their house at the same time, an oak tree fell that way, parallel, did not touch their house, did not harm anything but the yard. That in itself is a miracle. But to look around and to see how God di did what he did during that storm, we are indeed blessed in so many ways. Made me understand how much I appreciate the fact that I've got a gas stove and I found out I've got a gas water heater. It didn't work at first and I went down there and, and the pilot was electrically ignited so I manually ignited it. And I have hot water and, and I have a stove and I, I felt so blessed for that. God has a way of, of protecting us. I had a funeral Friday, and we had to find a way into the cemetery, and we did. 27 oak trees, ancient ones, have fallen there. The cemetery will never look the same again. But you know what? The rapture will come one day, and the loss of trees will only benefit those who are rising from the grave. It will not harm or hurt anything. A lot has gone on, but God has a way of taking care of us. And I want to this morning take inventory and kind of think about, you know, what's going on in our lives and what we need to be thankful for because there's much on our plate that we need to rejoice about. Without it, you're somber and serious without being thankful. And we don't want to get there. Remember, our Lord said, I've come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. And obstacles that we have gone through in the last few days will not prevent us from that. What will happen in the next few days will not prevent us from that. I pray about our leaders, but I know this. God still leads us. And whoever is sitting in the Oval Office... 
that doesn't concern me nearly as much as the fact that I know that God still sits on his throne. And he will use us whether we have leaders that are sent to bless us or to judge us. We need to be obedient in that, and we, we don't need to let men determine what we become. Of all the failures of, of, of the disciples, and I think about Peter, James, and John, and especially Simon Peter, of all the flawed things that, that were not accomplished by them, the, the horrifying things that they said that, that showed a, a definite ignorance of God and a lack of faith in Christ. Yet after they realized that they were being led by God, who is not restricted by death, he walked into the grave and he walked out of the grave. Everything in their life changed. And then they were able to stand up and say to the, the, the leaders there, we ought to serve God rather than men. And God blessed what they did. So the first thing I want to look at thinking about Thanksgiving is simply this. A banquet is prepared and you're invited. That's what Isaiah is telling us. God has a banquet in eternity for us. Now, that doesn't mean we'll be eating all the time. doesn't mean that, that, that you know, that, that'll be a plate there or in a table and we'll eat. What it means is that God will serve and care for us and we will celebrate for eternity. Stop and think about it. I, I saw a lot of banquets as a young man because I worked at my church. When I was eight or nine years old, uh, the folks that took care of, of the meals at our church, uh, they took advantage of anybody that was willing to work, and I, I was willing to volunteer, and I did. And I saw many banquets, WMU ba banquets, and men's brotherhood banquets, and church banquets, and deacon banquets, and youth banquets. I worked at all of them. I would set up and take down. Uh, I would help with preparing the foods and help cleaning up. And I watched those banquets, and I learned a few things about banquets there. Number one, people always come prepared for a banquet. They dress up. They wear their best. They come in shining. They come in with a smile on their face. And they're prepared to celebrate. God is inviting us to a banquet in heaven. What are you doing to prepare for that? Are you preparing your best? And what I mean by that is not the clothes they'll put on you when they put you in the casket. Are you preparing your heart and your life to be clean and prepared for that banquet when you return to your Creator in heaven? Are you going with a sense of expectation, improving your commitment to what's going on by serving Him here today, by being obedient to Him? God is expecting that. He wants us to be prepared. And he wants us to be excited about it. He wants us to be thrilled. I buried a gentleman Friday who grew up in this church as a little boy. Just before the 100th anniversary of this church in 1942, this 94-year-old man at death came to Christ at 12, eight, 12 years of age. And he was one of the last names entered into the church role when the 100th anniversary book was printed. He was very excited about that. I was able to hand to his children copies of that book because they'd never had one. And this young man was proud to be a member of this church. 
He left this church at age 19 and went into war, in World War II. He left World War II and went to Alabama Polytechnic Institute, which James Boatwright told me they changed the name of it uh, to Auburn because he said most engineers couldn't spell polytechnic. <laughs> he said they taught math, not English. But he finished there, and then he went out to serve all over the world. And that young man that grew up in this church ended up in Huntsville, Alabama, working with the Army Missile Defense Project, which later became known as NASA. And he helped design the first Apollo unit that carried humans in it. He went a long way from this church. He went a long way from this baptismal pool. And going to classes here as a little boy. I tell people, you can go a, lot of, a long ways from a church if you begin with a good foundation. And he never left that foundation. The last journey he took was to church before he died three days later because he loved his Lord and he was obedient to him. A banquet is prepared. Are you going to be there? The Old Testament prophets looked forward to that time that the Messiah, Jesus, would come into the world and, and lift the darkness of sin. They didn't know how. They, they weren't sure what was going to happen. But they trusted in that day that it would come. Sad but true, those who were to be the ones watching for that failed. They lost sight. They decided that they wanted a Messiah not to save them from their sins, but save them from the Romans. And because of that, they lost an understanding of what a Messiah looked like. And they didn't even recognize him when he came. I'm so glad our Lord forgives even people like that, even people like us. When we put off and neglect and refuse to take that step for Him, let's learn to be obedient. Because after all, no matter where you go in this life, eventually you're going to end up with Him. Are you going to be a child of the King that is not ashamed of what you've done? The second thing I want you to realize is simply this, that you must respond to that invitation. A friend of mine that lived in North Atlanta when I was in the restaurant business, a neighbor of mine, decided at Thanksgiving that he was going to have a large meal prepared and invite certain of his friends to come. They were all friends that had children who were grown and had moved away. He spent a lot of money for that meal. His cook prepared it. It was a wonderful meal. Everything was going to be right. In the morning of Thanksgiving that they were all supposed to arrive, he started getting the phone calls. And basically, the friends that he had contacted, most of them said this. They said, you know, if we come there and our kids call the house, this was before cell phones, if the kids call the house and we're not there, it just wouldn't be right. So we're going to just sit at home and wait for them to call and eat a sandwich. Seven couples told him that. Now I went to the house to eat and one couple went to the house and eat that were aged and the three of us had a great time. But the one that planned the banquet, Alfred Austell Thornton IV, one of the finest men I've ever known, 
sat there in between bites of food, wiped tears from his eyes. God's prepared a banquet for us in heaven. He tells us about it in the book of Luke. It's a very special gathering. Let me share with you what he says. It's the parable of the great banquet in Luke 14. It says, When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited to come. Everything is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just brought, uh, bought a field and I must go and see to it. Please excuse me. The other said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done and there is still room. And then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. Listen to this. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste at my banquet. See, the reality of, of, of that parable is this. Number one, those who had originally been invited, the Jewish people, Jesus' own people, had refused It says he came into his own and his own received him not. But thankfully, the verse doesn't end there. It says, but to as many as received him, to him gave he the power to become the sons of God. You see what that is? That's relationship. He, he didn't only invite them into a banquet. They left being sons of God. And we've got to remember that how we answer and what we agree to be a part of changes us forever. But please understand this. You must respond to his invitation. We all know what RSVP means. Nowadays, you RSVP not by phone, but usually by text or, or by email. But you respond to say in the affirmative, yes, I'll be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. It's important for us to respond. And our response is not sending a text message or an email. Our response is by saying, Yes, Lord, I will have you. I will be obedient to you. The baptismal pool just a few minutes ago, Kyle, you got to admit, it's a little dirty, wasn't it? There's stuff floating in there. and I looked around to make sure there are no lizards or goldfish in there. Um, but, uh, but you, and you know what? It didn't make him any cleaner. But it was an act of obedience. And that is so important. When we obey God in little things like that, God is there for us in big things, 
special things, important things. He meets our needs. He watches over us. God wants us to be obedient when He calls. In, in, in Luke, the prophecy of Isaiah has come true. But sadly, those who were called expressed a cold indifference. They didn't understand the importance of what was going on. Now, you know, about 25 days, we're going to have a meal. What's it called? Uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. What are you going to be thankful for? Are you going to take time, and please do this, take time to pause, and not just to, to bless the food, but take time to share with one another what you're thankful for and who you're thankful for. Express appreciation what others have done for you. Because sometimes we forget how people reach out to us and bless us in, in ways that sometimes are, are more valuable than, than any amount of money we could ever receive. A word of encouragement to me is... is is so important because sometimes the last thing you hear in ministry is encouragement. Sometimes somebody just saying thank you or I appreciate that or, or you know, means a lot. And our learning to do that changes the people that we're around. God wants us to be an appreciative people and, and let others know how much things mean to us. Alicia's mother called the family to supper. Everything was on the table for that evening meal, and it was beginning to get cold. Jason, the teenage son, rushed downstairs and grabbed a plate full of food, took it back up to his room. Alicia came into the room whining, I'm not hungry, and sat down a great big jar of peanut butter with a spoon in it, empty. And she says, I just don't want anything to eat. I'm full. And she goes back to her room. Husband comes in and he said, wow, honey, this looks great. Gets a plate full and goes to the den and sits in his easy chair. And Alicia's mom sat down and ate her food in the tears that she shed. Because that, that food was not prepared to sustain her family for another four to eight hours, it was prepared to bring the family together. And that's what a banquet is about. It's not about the food as much as it's about the togetherness. Now, I want to remind you of this. How you respond to God's invitation changes your eternity in every way you could imagine. As you respond and as you are obedient, everything changes in your life, and in the lives of those who watch you. Because you are an example to everyone. Some people feel that the only time we're an example is when we're on the stage of life, whether we're, we're teaching a Sunday school class or serving as a deacon. Or, or, you know. But no, people watch us constantly, all the time. This whole coronavirus thing has kind of taught us that, hasn't it? Because you know, we go into stores and we're wearing masks. And we don't know who they are and they don't know who we are. A lady dropped some things out of her basket the other day at Winn-Dixie. 
And I stopped, and I helped her get them up. And she thanked me for that. And I said, well, I said, it's hard to see with these masks on. And she said, I just can't see anything. And she said, I have glaucoma anyway, and it's just frustrating. And I said, well, can I help you find some other things? And alongside came a young lady, and she said, no, I'll, I, I can help her. Thank you. And she was connected with our church family. And that made me feel so good that she wanted to help and assist. That's what we're here for. It doesn't always work that way. Uh, Irma Bombeck told a story one time about an elderly couple in Phoenix, Arizona. They were getting ready for Thanksgiving, and they were just kind of tired of the fact that their kids never were there, or they'd come late or whatever, and they had to foot the bill for everything. So the husband said, look, go ahead and make your plans. And it was like Tuesday before Thursday. He said, let me go in here and make some phone calls. He calls his son up, who was the eldest, and he said, Bob, this is your dad. He said, your mom and I are tired of each other. We're ready to get it over with. Forty-eight years is just too long to spend with two people, so we're getting a divorce. And he said, I've met this young girl, and she likes me and I like her, and we're taking off together. Bye. And he hung up. The son panicked, and he called his sister and said, I think Dad's lost his mind. And he told him what he'd said. She said, that's not going to happen. I'll take care of that. She said, we're going there right away. And so she called her dad, and she said, I don't know what's happened, but she said, you don't move a thing. Brother and I will be there tomorrow, first thing. Do you hear me? He said, yes, ma'am. He hung up, went in, and he told his wife, he says, honey, I've got good news. The kids will be here for Thanksgiving, and they're paying their own way. <laughs> Take your blessings from where they come. Sometimes you get frustrated when things don't come together. People, I don't think they understand. Getting everyone around that table matters. I'm glad to see Kelly and Drew McClendon here. Kelly was my first youth youth minister here, and she works down in uh, Orville and also has a business, and they've got an incredible farm, and, and she loved youth work so much she's growing her own youth group, and they're beautiful. Congratulations. But she understands with her family, it means a lot to get everybody around the table. Some people don't value that. They scatter around. We need to be together. Families need to be together. We don't know how to appreciate one another until we come together. We don't know how to strategize about the future because wherever life takes you, you still serve together. God wants us to be that way. I can imagine the disappointment and frustration that God feels at our lame excuses to not come together. Our refusal to, to go against the odds to serve and to worship. You see, the beginning of the banquet is when you show up to worship Him here. I know the ultimate banquet's in heaven, but to come together and to worship has been amazing. We learned an important lesson in this church several months ago with the coronavirus. I wanted to do several things. Number one, I, I did not want to uh, stop having our Wednesday meals because I knew that Golden Ranch needed the business. I did not want them to close. I wanted them to be around. They're part of the church family, and I love them. 
And so we started, as you know, delivering the meals. And many of you have taken part in delivering the meals. You know what's amazing? One, one of our shut-ins said, I've never had so many visits that I've enjoyed. She said, they come to the door and I want to just chain them there and say, stay around for a few hours and talk. People come back from delivering the meals and they say, this has been the most enjoyable thing I've done all week long. This is great. I don't think under any other conditions or circumstances we would have attempted that. But God used that to draw together the family of God. And our little banquet that would begin on Wednesday, and, and it didn't start on Wednesday, that lady right up there in front of Jesus, Kitty Cosby, the lady that I cannot ever ask to speak in front of the church because she refuses to, will talk to every one of you on the phone planning it. And Kitty... You do an amazing ministry here. God brought you at the right time in the right situation. She's the one that organizes all of this. We've got to understand that's what God's called us to do. That's our act of thanksgiving. And that's how we prepare for eternity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you bless us with with all gifts. Your grace is showered upon us. Your love is given to us. Your forgiveness is offered freely. And Lord, you just ask us to obey. And our first act of obedience is saying yes to the gift of your blood covering our sins and your forgiveness that changes our life. Lord, I pray that we'd understand that we have much to be thankful for. And because of that, we gather today to worship you. I pray that our hearts would be in tune with all that you would have for us to do. And if there's anyone here that struggled with an understanding of why their life is where it is today, I remind you that your life is where it is because God wants you where you are to serve him in the worst of situations, we're to be obedient, we're to love, we're to smile, we're to sacrifice, we're to give, we're to celebrate, we're to stand with those who are weeping, and we are to work with those who have fallen to lift them up. So I pray that we would find our place in this act of thanksgiving today. And Father, speak to our hearts and change us as we prepare to be thankful for all that we've been blessed with. And I pray this in your holy name, Lord. Amen.